We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Time for more controversy. We're going to talk wide receivers and tight ends on today's show. We're going to get Danny B. Kelly on to help us work through some of the uh, situations where maybe you want to see in your rookie draft here who to take. Maybe it's your best ball draft. Who should you be selecting with those late round picks? That's what we're going to be talking about today as he jumps back aboard. We did have him on the Monday edition. We talked running backs and quarterbacks. Really excited to have him back as he truly delivered some fantastic information in that show sean we have already recorded this edition with danny and i fully expect the road of his ot community here to enjoy this one find a lot of insightful information in it as well if you want to follow danny on twitter you can do so at danny b kelly he is the senior staff writer at the ringer sean i'm excited i know you're excited wide receiver talk is something we always love to do but before we get into that let the listeners know what they can find up on rotaviz.com. Yeah, we're continuing to put out lots of RV Triflex content, what you want to do to move through tiers to maximize your value, trade opportunities that will pop up and, and give you an opportunity to get both value and the players that you want. Make sure you check that out. If you're playing in other types of leagues, again, one of the things that we love about the Triflex format is that it does replicate so closely so many of the leagues that have started up in the last couple of years. And so the ADP for that, the moves that you're making in that, the way that drafters are approaching it with a mix of you know fantasy experts, high stakes players, dynasty enthusiasts, it, it really gives you a good sense of ADP and how people are playing dynasty leagues right now. So very generalizable to other leagues you might be playing in that's really what i love the most about it so make sure you check all of that out and column let's get here to danny's thoughts on some of these controversial wide receivers we're going to start out with a player we haven't discussed a lot on the show but is very relevant when you get to that end of the second round and you're trying to find the best value the most points for the cost jump right in here all right danny so in this second edition of the back-to-back we're going to go a little bit more through some of those black crown draft 
picks, get a yeah. feel for, you know, what is just uh, maybe rounding out your portfolio a little bit, which are players where you do really feel strongly about the selection and drill down into a little bit of the nuance on some of these guys, because and we've done a lot of shows on the draft, but it's more awesome information comes out all the time and it's, it's difficult to get into everybody. And so you made a couple of picks that I was excited about because it does give us a chance to dive into some additional players that I think listeners really want to know about because they're going to have these difficult decisions when they are on the clock. And so we jump into round two. And again, you have the 11th pick in most of these rounds because you were in the title game last year. So that obviously says something about your roster as well. You have the 211. You select Josh Downs with a couple of those former volunteers, Hyatt and Tillman. Mm -hmm. They're still available. They went a handful of picks ahead of Downs in the reality draft. And I mean, there are strengths and weaknesses to this, but I would say that at least superficially, you know, more built out offenses with perhaps more capable QBs. Downs had the better age adjusted and experience adjusted production trajectory. But a lot of people feel like he might be more limited at the NFL level. How do you weigh those elements and kind of give us the pro case for downs as yeah. we're working through the end of round two here? Yeah, I think it is concerning a little bit that he is probably going to be a slot only receiver at the NFL level. Um, you know, it's it's not the it's not a, the end of the world because it's a PPR league and, you know, generally those guys tend to get a lot of volume anyway. So I think that that's okay. And it's just, it, you know, with Cedric Tillman, for instance, or Jalen Hyatt actually is another good example. Like it would not surprise me whatsoever if downs had more targets than either of those guys in, you know, the first three years of his career. It's just, he's going to be, I think in a position and a role that is getting more volume. Jalen Hyatt to me feels like a lower volume field stretching type receiver and he's in a crowded uh, receiver core with just a whole lot of guys that I don't know exactly how that's all going to shake out. I think that does give him an opportunity, but I don't know what his actual role is going to be. He's kind of redundant a little bit with with Darius uh, Slayton. So I don't know. It's It'll be interesting to see how that shakes out and if they see him as a slot-only guy or if he can play on the outside. I think there's just question marks with that. With, with the comparison of Josh Downs to like a Cedric Tillman, of course, they're very different stylistically. You know, Tillman is a big outside possession receiver with not a lot of speed. Downs is a twitchy inside receiver, like route running savant, very good at getting open, um, very tough, good at the catch point. But again, they're like playing two different positions almost. And so for me, the Tillman, the the edge downs gets over Tillman to me as he's a couple years younger. Um, and I think his role in the NFL is probably going to be a little bit higher volume. So those were kind of the reasons I went with downs. And I just like downs more like I had him ranked higher in my rankings. Um, you know, I just think he's a he's a little guy, but he's he's really tough and he plays bigger than he is. And um, he reminded me a little bit of Elijah Moore when I was watching him, just a guy who, you know, can run after the catch a little bit. He's not a elite speed guy, take the top off the defense type of player at all. But he's going to be to me what I think is sort of a quarterback's best friend underneath in the short and intermediate area. Yeah, on these smaller receivers, you mentioned the toughness. You mentioned this contrast between Tillman, who, I mean, not as completely unathletic, but there are going to be some limitations at his right. size and not being, you know, obviously a Julio Jones, Calvin Johnson type of freak. Whereas the smaller players do bring this ability to get open, hopefully also at the NFL level. And yet, 
you know, maybe like you mentioned, he's limited to the slot. If you're purely a PPR, I mean, there's some slot guys who put up some huge productions. So that's not right. necessarily even a problem. But how are you looking at these small receivers? Is that something that you're thinking, okay, as long as I get a good price, like, I mean, if Downs were another 10 pounds heavier, he'd be going at the one two turn. And so, you know, at 211, <laughs> you know, I'm glad to take that discount for yep. the weight. Or, or how are you figuring that? Yeah, that's actually, and, and you know, doing pre draft drafts in the rookie and rookie drafts or whatever he was going i think pretty high like i remember i got him at 203 or 204 at one point and that was kind of right along the lines of adp at the time and then of course he fell because he went in the third round instead of the second round which a lot of people were expecting second round and so the nfl maybe didn't value quite as high as what people were thinking you need he did get some like first round buzz early on in the process and um i think the size limitations the schematic limitations probably push him down the board a little bit but um yeah and i and i think so yes i'm taking the discount there I, I think he's a very good player i'm you know after the fact obviously this is like you know hindsight's 2020 but like the way that he's talking about getting together with anthony richardson he's um apparently the star of their first rookie mini camp so there's, there's some exciting things that are happening there in terms of like him developing as like a high volume guy for Anthony Richardson, this is the type of player that Anthony Richardson, I think really needs to develop um, because Richardson was a little shaky in the short and intermediate areas as a passer. And so hopefully that they can kind of have a symbiotic relationship and, and grow from there. But um, I love his, I love his like competitiveness and, and toughness. So when you, when you hear him talk and if you, and if you saw the, like the post draft, when he got drafted called, like, you know, he's super serious. Like he's going to put in the work um it's kind of exciting from those points of view but obviously i i was judging everything on tape and, and i really like what he did and his production profile is really really good he was productive almost immediately i think from a young age um and again you know just a guy that i could see being a like a big difference maker for them in the short and immediate area there's not a lot of guys on that in that offense right now like him and so he could kind of carve out a role as as the you know possess like I guess the slot possession receiver or whatever guy that gets a lot of volume. This does also seem like a good moment to throw in our obligatory 100% Sam Howell plug. <laughs> he, the guy who, uh, who made downs or, or the other way around. Um, that's a good question. I don't think, I don't think it doesn't have to be either. I don't think it has to, I don't think he made uh, Sam Howell. I think he, I think they probably helped each other. Certainly. Um, you know, it, it does, it is interesting actually that cause he's now played with Howell and Drake may who Drake may is probably going to be top 10 pick next year. So, you know, um, maybe that elevated his, his status a little bit in terms of downs because he's playing with two good quarterbacks. So, or at least depends on how you feel about Howell if he's a good quarterback, I think he's a good quarterback, but just limited in some ways. By the way, are we excited about Howell this year? I'm kind of excited. Uh, on, about the, on this show, uh, I was wondering where that comment was going. We have yeah, to be I'm excited, kind of excited on this show. Yeah, we have to be excited over here. Sean likes to call it the 100% exposure club, so we're we're pretty <laughs> we're pretty highly invested in Sam Howell uh, heading into this season. We did uh, also kind of get a little bit of clarification on this on the the show earlier this week with the pick at the 304, but. We'll not talk about Tajay Spears here and how you know could have potentially been the selection, but right. Keishon Boutte was the player you did select there. He's somebody who had a high recruiting grade, impressive early production, then kind of 
collapsed in production, I guess, and, and yeah. a disappointing athletic test. And then when it for the NFL draft drops to the sixth round, lands in New England with the Patriots. There's a few players there, Sean, in the wide receiver room in New England that we still love that we hope that could be the wide receiver one there. But there is a path to being the wide receiver one for the Patriots this season coming could have an immediate impact. Is that something you see as a possibility for him? How do you see him fitting in the New England? Yeah, he to me is sort of a lottery ticket that it's probably not going to work out. It's probably not going to hit. But, you know, if, if it does, then you're getting insane value in the third round. Um, part of the other reason I took him there is because I know Scott Barrett was going to take him if I didn't a few later. <laughs> so it's not like you can kind of wait because I had two third round picks in the draft and I was think, thinking about trying to get him later. And I was like, that's probably not going to last. He's probably not going to last that far. You know, I know Barrett's been taking him in a couple other drafts. And so I think, you know, in the third round, you're sort of taking swings on guys. There's probably not a huge up. There's probably not a huge hit rate on third round picks generally. And so um, I took a guy. I I wanted to take a guy who had the upside to turn into like a star. And we saw him coming into the season. I remember watching some uh, some video. I was I was watching some other player and and it was like, Todd McShay talking about Keishon Booty as number one receiver in the draft, in like the 2023 draft. And I'm like, that was not very long ago. This was at the very beginning of the college season. So obviously he fell off, you know, a cliff in terms of his, his projected draft position and his, his standing in the NFL. I think there's some personality issues that definitely are holding him back as well that teams were worried about um, immaturity and, and things like that. But at the same time, you know, what he did his first two years, um, at LSU and, and his ability is explosive after the catch. I think he's a certain kind of receiver. He's not necessarily like a elite deep threat, although I think he can track the ball. He's made some pretty impressive circus catches near the sideline and things like that, but he's sort of a run after the catch explosive, you know, get the ball into his hands in space and let him do work. I think that's where he could really shine. So there's a lot of things that kind of, there was a confluence of events in 2023 that or 2022 that, made him completely fall. It was a new coaching staff, new quarterback, didn't get along with either of them, it seems. Um, he had a injury to his ankle that required extra, like a second surgery. So he, I don't think was completely healthy. And so there's just a lot of things working against him. And then he also, you know, if you look at the end of the season, like he started, his production was definitely ticking up in the right direction towards the end of this last season. So he's like starting to get a little bit closer to where we'd say with him prior to the injury. And so, I don't know, I'm just kind of hoping that the injury will be behind him, that he'll maybe get a get little bit of a reality check. The fact that he was a six round pick and he's going to need to like kind of get his things together and, and, and hopefully that'll be enough to like kind of have him go back in the right direction. But again, I'm not really expecting much, but I think there's an opportunity here. I don't love the fact that he landed in New England, if I'm being totally honest. <laughs> like, they don't exactly have a uh, long storied history of developing their drafted receivers, but um, it is an opportunity in the sense that the pecking order there is pretty wide open. And I think, um, you know, that could give him an opportunity to come in and play pretty, pretty early. You mentioned not liking the New England landing spot. I I guess I was not, ju- not just shocked, although I guess this more or less the same terminology. I mean, just absolutely blown away that they did not did not address this train wreck of an offense, which kind of right, right. brings you back to thinking, well, they have a, a little bit of a denial of reality element going here yep. where 
they're much more confident in Juju Smith-Schuster than they should be. You could see that just in who they let go from their offense and, and what they signed him to, even though it's not a massive deal. Still, I think, vastly overconfident in what he can bring. But then also, yeah. I mean, we like Tyquan Thornton and not like like him that we think he's going to go out and be some top 10 fantasy receiver, but someone who can be a viable NFL starter. Yeah. And yet, because he didn't do a whole lot last year, it, it does feel more tenuous and you kind of forget the fact that maybe New England also likes him. <laughs> and so they think with those guys that with Gasicki and Henry that maybe they actually do have this covered a little bit. H- how are you looking at the New England passing offense and and how that's going to manifest sort of for fantasy. (laughs) Yeah. um, Good question. No idea. I I think the, I think there, yeah, I don't know what you you said. You said a word earlier. That was funny. I think uh, like they're delusional or something about what's going on. I think there was a little bit of hubris last year coming into the season with the idea that they could make Matt Patricia, their offensive coordinator, and it would be fine. Um, I think they really, uh do you not derailed completely but definitely hindered mac jones's development i think that led to some personal issues in terms of like the way that mac jones was addressing the issues they were having on offense i think that there's a little bit of a rift between mac jones and the coaching staff belichick i don't think they really like how he how he has responded to some of the you know, issues that they were having last year. And so that was why you hear some of these rumors that they're trying to trade him and, and move on. And that there's some rumors that they like Bailey Zappi more. I think all these things have merit because, um, and and it's a result of the, the struggles that they had last year. Like we saw what Mac Jones did as a rookie. It was pretty exciting. And then last year, everything fell apart. And part of the reason is they, their offensive coaching staff didn't really know what it was doing and they didn't have a ton of weapons. They had some injuries that were, they were struggling with for whatever reason. They decided they didn't want to play Kendrick Bourne ever there's just all these like weird things that it, it felt like it was just Belichick being Belichick. He's just like has a grudge against certain players and he's just not going to play them. So, um, but going forward, I am much more optimistic about what Bill O'Brien can do from what I've heard. It sounds like they're kind of giving him a little more autonomy to do what he wants to do offensively. Um, part of the reason I think I'm trying to remember, I think I heard something along the lines of like, they were pissed that Mac Jones actually, consulted with bill o'brien about the offense last year and they were like why are you talking to some random some coach that's not on our staff like don't talk to other coaches so there's just like a lot of things happening here but i think bill o'brien has the ability and the experience and sort of the track record i think of managing quarterbacks to like get mac jones back on track in theory and so you know i like the i like the addition of mike Kosicki. i'm like one of the final people that actually likes mike Kosicki, i think in the world and so I'm kind we of have quite a bit of Gasicki, so we're, <laughs> okay. we're with you. Okay, good. Um, I'm excited about what he could do with like a full snap load versus like coming in randomly for the Dolphins every like fourth play or something. Um, <laughs> I think that's exciting as like a, he'll, he'll be like sort of a big slot receiver. And I actually look at Keishon Booty as sort of a, and you know, I don't want to oversell Booty because obviously I think there's a huge bus factor here or not bus, but like there's a, just, there's a lot of, opportunities for him to not just do anything essentially but he is kind of a juju smith schuster type player in terms of he's probably best in the slot probably best um you know making plays after the catch he's a little more i I think he's more explosive than juju smith schuster even though the testing numbers were atrocious for him um, at the combine i think he has the natural athletic talent to be better than what he showed at the combine and he has shown it on tape it's just not lately and so hopefully he can get healthy and get get that explosiveness back. 
Um, cause there's some plays where he just catches a pass and like houses it, you know? Um, and so hopefully he can get some of that back, but, but yeah, I think, I don't know, like is Devonte Parker toast at this point? Uh, I assume so, you know, Taekwon Thornton is a little bit of a black box. I'm another guy that likes Thornton just be based on, you know, his speed obviously, but like what he showed in the preseason at times was pretty exciting. I think there was some games early on in the year where he was starting to get kind of a little bit of momentum and then he got hurt and then. You know, there's obviously worries about his frame because he's tiny and I broke his collarbone, I think. And that is why we had concerns about his frame because he's tiny. And so it's sort of like, I don't know exactly what that means going forward, but there's just a lot of question marks. I do kind of like the fact that they addressed their offensive line a bunch in this draft. Um, they drafted a couple mid-round guys that could end up being, you know, significant players for them, City Sal and Jake Andrews. But um, overall, yeah, they didn't do a ton of big, big moves to address the offense other than Juju, who I... At this point, I'm kind of just out on overall. I, I don't really know if he's a difference maker at this point in his career. So, yeah, I'm very curious to see what happens with New England. But end of the day, to come full circle, I'm very hopeful that that Booty can find a role. You know, just because I think he has got that natural talent. He has the he has the background of of big play ability that maybe that he could be a steal in the sixth round. Well, we still like Mac Jones. So if he gets traded and buried. That will be sad yeah. if he emerges because of <laughs> because of something that they do, even if it's a, a sixth round lottery picket. That would be fantastic. So kind of wrapping back to earlier in the draft a little bit here, we had mentioned a couple of times that you selected A-Chain in part because you were loaded at QB, you're loaded at tight end. You've got like three tight end ones. So in this tight end premium league, you're in great shape. And that kind of takes you out of the market for the tight ends. But that range right there in rookie drafts is so interesting now mm -hmm. because Kincaid goes early to Buffalo, <laughs> because Laporta goes before Mayer. And, I mean, people were very high on Kincaid, and he had risen quickly over the last sort of two to three weeks, going very early at that point then in best ball. And then like the best possible scenario, or possibly the best possible scenario hits where you are the first tight end taken, you go to the Buffalo Bills. You're there with Josh Allen now. And so now the enthusiasm is reaching this sort of fevered pitch. <laughs> right. But at the same time, Laporta, who similarly athletic, extremely productive, maybe fewer actual red flags, actually goes second and goes yeah. into a Lions offense that is pretty good. Now, Laporta has been interesting because while Kincaid is very consistently going in that 108 to 110 range laporta will go anywhere from like 112 to 207 which i mean so that entire first half of the second round if you want the tight end you're kind of <laughs> on pins and needles find out like is yeah. he gonna make it to me do i need to move up how do you see the contrast between these two guys now uh laporta and mayor or laporta and kincaid laporta and kincaid because yeah i mean you have to like kincaid right but I mean, I think I could make an argument for Laporta number one. Yeah. Certainly it seems like cost adjusted that like he is now the smash guy. Yeah. I think you can make that argument for sure. It's it's tough because um it's it's hard to let go of I think pre-draft notions for me because I really like Mayer a lot too. And you know, he, he I think he went one pick after. So there's a little bit of like you're splitting hairs in terms of like the order in which these guys went. But at the same time, it it's come out more and more over the last couple of weeks that a lot of teams had Laporta and Kincaid as their one, two. 
And so obviously the NFL is high on, on Laporta. Um, man, because before the draft, you could get Laporta in like the third round. It, it was so amazing. And I'm like regretting not getting more of him because now he's he's a fringe first rounder. And so, um, but yeah, he to me is, there's a lot of reasons to like him. And, and at the end of the day, like if he ended up being better than Kincaid in the NFL, I wouldn't be completely shocked because one, he's quite a bit younger. Two, he doesn't have the concerning back injury history that Kincaid brings. Um, I like Kincaid more just because I felt he was a lot more loose of an athlete and dynamic and a little more explosive and just twitchy. I thought Laporta, he's definitely athletic and he's he's a bruiser after the catch, but I, I didn't find him to be as quite as, I guess, loose of an athlete, as flexible of an athlete. He's just a little stiff, a little more stiff and, and lumbering versus... Uh, Versus Kincaid, who's much more fluid. And, and he reminded me like watching Kelsey, honestly, just the way he moves. And so um, I think that's the to me why I, I would much I would have Kincaid ranked higher and I would way rather take Kincaid. But at the same time, Laporta is a good sort of arbitrage version of it because he's really good after catch, really um, breaks a ton of tackles. That's honest. Abe. He, he was the guy at Iowa. I mean, they just didn't have anybody else. That offense was atrocious and he was still, you know, producing and and helpful like carrying that offense honestly when they they needed somebody to make plays for them and so um he's really exciting and then he lands in a spot where i i feel the short and intermediate area we, we've seen it with amon ross st brown this is the bread and butter for jared goff this is where he wants to throw the ball and so um i could see him being pretty high volume right away and honestly they don't have anyone else with jameson williams sort of god i don't know what's going on with jameson williams hopefully he turns out to be uh better but like it's starting to get worried worrisome with me with jameson williams because you know obviously came off the injury didn't get a lot of playing time in in year one when but then you can kind of explain that away with you know always maybe just coming back from an injury whatever he wasn't playing a ton even when he was back and healthy and then you start to hear the coaches were kind of annoyed at him because he wasn't running the right routes or he wasn't being precise enough or whatever reason like they were I, there was a few sort of comments from the coaching staff over the offseason where it was like, well, he needs to start practicing like he wants to play and stuff. He needs to like be a little more precise. We need to get a little bit more out of him in terms of, you know, whatever. And I can't remember the exact quote. It was, it was along those lines, basically, like he's not doing the right things. And therefore, that's why he wasn't playing. And now he's suspended for half the year. And uh, so I'm starting to get a little worried about Jamison Williams, if I'm being totally honest, even though I, I do – Think he's a very good player I, I don't know it's just a little bit worrisome so far that that that's kind of how his career has gone so bottom line is sam laporta might be the number two receiver in this offense right away at least you know on paper obviously tenons generally have taken a little bit longer to get going but um am i misremembering anyone like they got they signed marvin jones uh josh reynolds is on their team like khalif raymond had 60 something targets last year like I, there's just not a lot else there besides i'm on rossi brown we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It feels like there'll be a lot of volume, particularly with Williams not being there, to potentially go his way. So I think your point about him having that instant impact is is very much there. And myself and Sean are both big uh, Jared Goff fans here still. So yeah. uh, let's let's hope that... Uh, that all works out for for the two of them together in, in Detroit. We'll see what happens. The other tight end then to get into is Mayer, and most analysts seem to be willing pre-draft to give him a path or a pass on his athleticism. But post NFL draft, his fantasy value has remained relatively steady. Mm-hmm. But do you think, based on how the draft played out, that what the NFL is telling us might be concerning? A little bit, uh, not a lot. I would say not. A shocking amount because he was the third or fourth pick i think in the second round it wasn't like he fell dramatically um but i think relative to some expectation that he would be a top half of the first round type pick yeah there's a little bit of it i guess a reality check with him and um you know he's maybe not the ultra elite prospect that i think he'd been built up to be a little bit at notre dame at least in um the nfl's eyes and so yeah, there's a little bit of concern there, but at the end of the day, to me, he was never about twitchy movement skills or getting tons of separation. He's just big, tough, extremely, extremely, extremely strong at the catch point. Like he just doesn't lose when he's at the catch point. Um, he's like one of the strongest contested catch guys like I've ever seen, and so consistent in that area that it's not just to me. It's not just sort of variance. It's this guy is insanely good at the catch point. He knows how to box out. Very strong. Um, in addition to the fact that, you know, he's going to be, I think he's going to be on the field a ton. He's, he's not maybe as elite of a blocker as I think he's been made out to be. So he's probably going to be used all over the formation. If you look at the way that Notre Dame used him, he was being flexed out. He was being put in motion. He was all over the formation. And I think that's the type of player he could, he's going to end up being in the NFL. Like, I think there might be a little bit of a misnomer that he's sort of just a and, and I've said this too, that he's a wide tight end, but I, I don't think he's just a blocker, if that makes sense. Like he's not going to be utilized, you know, only as a blocker, because obviously that's a detriment to fantasy if he's not running a ton of routes. And so um, I see him as more of a, of a pass catching tight end than maybe his reputation would indicate. And so, you know, overall, not quite as athletic, not quite as, as twitchy, but I think he's going to be running a ton of routes. And, and again, he's lands in the Las Vegas depth chart which doesn't have a ton of weapons outside of Devontae Adams. I think Jacoby Myers, you know, is a good possession guy. I don't think he's a star necessarily. And then Hunter Renfro, it feels like his future in Las Vegas is tenuous at best. I don't really know how long he'll be around. And so, um, yeah, I think there's just a lot of opportunity for him to come in and, 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 you know, get a lot of targets, at least maybe not as a rookie, but, you know, going forward, he'll, he'll be like one of the top three guys in that offense or whatever. And so, 
Um, I'm pretty optimistic about him still. The other thing I would add is he is like the most intense person I've ever seen at the podium <laughs> at the combine. I have zero worry that he's going to be like a, a great pro, like quote unquote pro. He's just going to come in and, and, you know, do his job. He, it's surprising that the Patriots didn't take him because he's just a do your job type of guy. Is he going to be the last guy in the weight room every day? Oh, 100%. If you, if you ever see an interview with this guy, he just dom like he just, he came up to the podium, put his hands on the side of each podium, like power stance. <laughs> and he was just like directing <laughs> traffic. I've never seen anyone with like more charisma. This is like a 21 year old guy, but he is, he was just the alpha of all alphas. And so, um, I don't know. To me, that, that does matter a little bit when you get into the NFL. And so, um, I have no worry about him being, you know, a hard worker and, and, you know, doing everything he can, can do to succeed. It feels like a, a pretty good landing spot for him there. And we've all, already mentioned kind of the, the two top tight ends. Is there any other tight ends that you want to highlight that really even interest in? I'm definitely interested in Luke Musgrave. Um, you know, I think landing spot again is pretty good for him. It seems like they're trying to build a new offense around Jordan Love. They didn't, they hadn't invested a lot in the offense over the last few years because they had a, you know, Hall of Fame quarterback that they felt that they could address other positions and sort of strengthen the team elsewhere because the, because Aaron Rodgers could sort of elevate the rest of the offense and they wouldn't need to make as many investments. Now they've done the opposite. They're trying to make a lot of heavy investments in skill players to make Jordan Love's job easier, which I think is the right move. I'm sure so, Aaron's delighted about that. What's change that? Of event. I'm sure Aaron Rodgers is delighted with that change of events. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's yeah. be factual about it though aaron Rodgers only wants to play with randall cobb so if they had tried to build around him he would have been like no thank you aaron Rodgers is he, he's the bill belichick of of quarterbacks he just wants to play with his friends and he doesn't want to like belichick is just like do i know you are we friends have we worked together in the past okay well then then it's fine i don't want to try and bring anybody new in here i'm not dealing with new guys this is why i'm a little bit worried about garrett wilson if i'm being totally honest this year it's like aaron Rodgers is just gonna pass to lazard and cobb and it's gonna be so frustrating but um, the jets did try to uh you know play down the reports that Aaron Rodgers had a, a wish list but oh give know, me a break. clearly they just <laughs> looked at the tape last year and thought that we'll just we'll get Cobb in here for two and a half million this year yeah it's ridiculous but um I think so he's definitely interesting and then I'm taking swings at Tucker Craft in the fourth round because he's falling I think pretty significantly now or at least late third uh, because you never know how things will shake out. Obviously, Luke Musgrave has a long, lengthy, concerning injury history. And so if he can't stay on the field, Tucker Craft could end up being, you know, obviously a lot of people are using this this comparison, but the, the Hayden Hurst, Mark Andrews corollary, where the guy that's drafted later ends up being the star. And so Tucker Craft, I think, is worth grabbing a little bit later in draft just to kind of see how that all shakes out. So, you know, those are two other guys. And then I think, you know, Luke Schoonmaker, Schoonmaker, I don't know exactly how to say his name, but he is somewhat interesting because of the way that Dak Prescott likes to target his tight ends. I don't know for a, for sure that he's a high impact player. He's kind of in the Dalton Schultz area of a guy who I think is just probably pretty good, at not a huge difference maker, but he could get volume, and so that makes him a little bit interesting to me because Dak always targets his tight ends. I love hearing you say all of the positive things about Mayer, and that's been a pretty consistent refrain of the folks that we've had on the show and also i think meshes very closely with sort of how our college football experts are looking at how you know we looked at it for the rookie 
you got and because of price now it's not like his value has collapsed but because of price I'm getting him in so many rookie drafts so yeah. i think that part is very encouraging i think that i i would say maybe his ceiling is lower than some of these other guys that are in the in the same class with with Kincaid and Laporta those guys have a ceiling to potentially be the tight end one maybe down the line mayor maybe doesn't have that same thing but they're the bar is so low right now to be a tight end one that i could see mayor have multiple seasons as a like a mid to low tight end one and people that have him are just perfectly happy and they're not necessarily getting they're not winning leagues maybe because of him but he's he's just you know solid you know above average tight end in the nfl and that's kind of how i see him moving into some uh sleeper slash priority running backs um is there anybody standing out for you at the moment you know for example in that draft we talked about the black crown you took zach evans at 311 which is pretty feels like pretty extreme value there is he a priority lit target for you or was he just one of the the best options of that kind of tougher part of the draft when you're yeah he it's funny because I might look at this. I might look back at this black crown draft and be like, man, I took too many wild swings maybe with booty and Zach Evans being my last two picks. But um, I think Evans is very interesting from the point of view that I think he is a very talented runner. He was one of my favorite pure runners um, just watching him on tape. I think he's really explosive. I think he's got, you know, a different style to him. He's not, he's not going to be the type of guy that will dance around behind the line of scrimmage and make guys miss. He's more of a downhill guy, but he's really good at uh, blowing past pursuit angles, kind of lulling guys to sleep and then just exploding past them. He's, he's very smooth. He almost reminds me running style and I'm not comparing him to this player because they're not in the same stratosphere, but running style only like a little bit Camara ish in the, in the way that he's like very smooth and, and almost effortless looking when he runs, but then he can run by people. So I think he's got a lot of talent as a runner. I think there's a lot of question marks and that's the reason he fell to the sixth round. Obviously he's unproven as a pass catcher. He is a relatively unproven anyway, as a pass catcher, I think he flashed ability in that area, but he, he didn't do a ton of it in college. Um, but he lands in a situation where, he could potentially be the starter for the Rams. It would not be that surprising to me. Obviously acres has had a weird history with the team. Um, he's got a very concerning history of injury with the Achilles tear. We've seen how that can, um, I don't know if necessarily like I'm looking at a guy like James Robinson who came back and everyone thought he was totally fine after the Achilles tear. And then now he is like fourth string, uh, like a year later. It's like one of those things where I'm I'm still concerned about Akers, even though he came back and showed that he can still run and he can still explode. It does have, I think, long-term implications maybe for Akers. And so these are the types of things I think you have to consider. You know, who else is on that team? Ronnie Rivers and, and Kyron Williams, who I think is more slotted in as a third round or a third down back type guy. And so I think there's a real opportunity here for Evans. They traded up 37 spots to get him. Obviously, it's later in the draft, but that's a full round. They they traded up 37 spots to get him. They gave him a future sixth. Um, after the draft, they talked about how he had special traits. And so there's some indication that they they really see him as a potential sleeper for their team. And so, I don't know. To me, there's just a lot to like there. 
and again, it's more rooted in the, in the foundation of it is I think he's a talented runner, but I think he also landed in a situation where he could sort of outplay his, his draft stock. And so he's a guy that I definitely want to take swings at in, in late in drafts. I got him in the fourth round a couple of times before the draft. So, you know, he's, he's a guy that I think is all over the place, but um, I'm excited to see what happens here. I was frustrated. I wasn't going to be able to get him in that draft. I took Jace Brown at the 308. Obviously you're not expecting Evans to get back. Yeah, 408. But I mean, you can always dream. Dwayne McBride and Sean Tucker were taken in the two picks right before mine. So <laughs> then I had just a throwaway pick at the 408. So I was disappointed in that. But the main thing with that answer is that I'm glad that we have our headline. Danny Kelly says, Cam Akers is done. <laughs> Zach Evans, the new Alvin Kamara. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, that'll, get, that'll get lots of downloads. We appreciate, we appreciate that. So Danny, as, you, as you're looking at these running backs and i just i mean this is kind of the case every year but i do think that there are a lot of really interesting guys mm-hmm. late so we're looking at the running back position specifically in fantasy and we have these players taken really outside say the first 75 ish picks how are you kind of working through that when you put out your rankings and you just develop your draft tactics balancing their reality draft capital the landing spot, which is a completely separate thing, really, and then the talent. Yeah. How, how are you working through that? And are there any specific guys for this year that you want a lot of exposure to, maybe in addition to an Evans? Yeah, it's 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 tough because a lot of um a lot of these later round guys, and we were expecting this because the NFL right now is just has a uh, a surplus of of running backs, right? And there's just not very many openings. And so coming into the draft is always worried that some of these guys are going to fall into what is a heavy committee or expected to be a committee or a backup. I think there's, I I'm honestly like, if I'm just being totally honest, I'm just trying to sprinkle in a little of all these guys in my drafts, because I think I could see multiple of them end up being starters down the line, like Eric Gray for the giants. I think he was exciting to watch on tape has a little bit of a looseness. He's a tough compact runner. And with his situation, he lands on the Giants, who have a, are they're at an impasse right now? Apparently, with Saquon Barkley, we don't know what the long term implications that has. Like, if they're does this front office value running back enough to sign Saquon Barkley to like a big money contract? I don't know. Like, maybe not. And so we could see Gray in terms of his future, maybe being the starter in twenty twenty four if everything falls right. So he's worth a shot. Um, Chase Brown, I think, like you mentioned, is a very interesting one super productive, super athletic lands in a situation where Mixon's future is in doubt. I think that's a smart one to take, take, you know, just take him in the third, fourth round and hopefully something works out there. Um, Israel Abanaconda is another interesting one. If Brees Hall's injury is problematic at all going into this year, obviously we've seen guys not come back quite as quickly from ACL tear, or at least they come back, but they're not as effective right away. Like it's always a year later that they tend to be a little bit more effective. So Abanaconda uh, uh, could be an interesting guy this year and earn more reps than you think maybe. Um, and he's a different type of player where he's a little more explosive, like big play guy, kind of like a big Raheem Mostert type player. I think um, I like Chris Rodriguez. He's stuck behind two guys right now in terms of Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. But Antonio Gibson, I believe, is in his contract year. And if the team doesn't extend him, I could see Rodriguez being a type of guy who could who could 
challenge uh, Robinson to get some carries in his career, or at least be in a rotation. So he's another guy that I think is kind of interesting. Um, he's really, really tough, physical, breaks tackles, and I think is is you know the type of type of player that could earn more snaps than you think. And so he's another interesting one for me. I think honestly, you know, I'm not trying to fence it here, but there's just a couple of guys in this area that I'm just trying to sprinkle in. Kenny McIntosh, I think, could be a pass catching weapon on third down for the Seahawks with uh, you know Kenneth Walker and, and Zach Charbonnet being sort of the early down punishers and then McIntosh comes in and does pass catching stuff for them on third down. So he's another guy that's interesting. Awesome stuff. I know when we were finishing up on the Monday edition of the show, you did mention some of the stuff you've got coming out over the next couple of weeks with the ringer. No better time though, to reinforce that information to the, the OT listeners than the present. Uh, but fill us in again. Yeah, I got the, my top 60, uh dynasty rookie draft coming out full write-up with each guy for each guy um so that look for that this week we got our uh fantasy football draft guide for just redraft coming out too uh that's already out actually but we're going to be continually updating that with more information throughout the offseason you can go check out our rankings now we're going to update that as the offseason goes on so those are the two big things uh that i'm going to be working on during the offseason then of course the ringer fantasy football show podcast we're going to be recording every week Thanks once again to Danny for jumping on the show. As I mentioned, Danny B. Kelly on Twitter is where to find him on there, theringer.com. You can find his work over there as well, as well as the Ringer Fantasy Football Show where he will be appearing. Sean, we are closing out our second show off the week. We are going to be back with a third edition, which will be on Friday. My recommendation to the Road of His OT listeners, or if maybe you're a new listener, you've come in through you've heard Danny's on, you've come back and uh, you're, you're listening here today. Click that subscribe button, get your podcasts once they are available, available on all podcast players. Drop us a rating and review on the Road of His Overtime podcast page. We do appreciate that greatly. Sean, we teased it on a couple of these editions. The, the Monday show, certainly we teased it. We're teasing it a bit again today, but we're hoping to be talking some dynasty and our own rookie draft experiences on the show later this week. Sometimes, we have plans, we change them, we we tweak them, and we we might just jump in and do a BBM4 draft. You never know what could happen, but at this moment in time, we're probably going to be talking those rookie selections. We're on the clock, Sean, as we finish up recording this one. We'll have to make that selection in the near future. But how are you feeling as we kind of work our way through these rookie drafts and, and head towards, I guess, you know, we'll continue dynasty season, but into the full flow of basketball season, which is earlier and earlier every year, and it is fully in flow at this particular moment in time the other thing when you're looking through the the dynasty content i think the biggest advantage for people listening to these shows at this time of year is when it comes into the adp of where these rookies are going and their drafts and it, it used to be a case where you know best ball adp hadn't been set yet or adp wasn't really fully discussed for redraft but it is available now because of contests like uh, best ball mania but I, I do think there's a big edge to to knowing players profiles how other people are thinking of them and where they may be going in some of these these basketball contests too yeah and if you want to join us over at underdog use the coupon code rotoviz that'll get you 100 deposit match up to 100 dollars. you could be the next member of the rotoviz community to take down a massive prize there we're so proud of all the listeners who have done so well in those contests yeah Colin, I, these Rookie drafts are so much fun. They're the most fun that you have in fantasy every year. But 
the other element of it is I don't think you can be fully prepared to draft in best ball and to really understand the nuances of the rookies and how you're thinking about them related to price, related to depth charts, related to how you want to mix in and create this full roster if you haven't gone through that dynasty process. And so I would encourage people who want to get better at best ball to play dynasty. I'd encourage people who want to get better at dynasty to play best ball, but mostly we encourage everybody to do what they like and have fun because (laughs) this is such a great time in the fantasy football calendar. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I think that's, that's good advice. I think working through the, the different formats is always beneficial, but that is going to wrap up this edition of the show. As I mentioned, Danny, check him out check out all his work you can follow me on twitter if you wish to do so it is at overtime ireland you can check out all sean's work up on rotaviz.com and until we are back on friday have a good one thank you for listening to overtime and rotaviz radio please rate and review the rotaviz radio podcast on itunes or your favorite podcast app you can contact us via email at rotavizradio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at rotaviz radio and remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to rotaviz with a discount through the rotaviz radio homepage rotaviz.com forward slash podcast